Hi, welcome back to season two of Meta Minutes, your bite-sized pieces of the Meta Wars. My name is Rene from Valorum Reply, and today we're going to talk about reflecting the real world into the mirror world. And I'm honored to have a special expert guest today, Matt Miesnix. Hi, Matt, and welcome to the show. How are you Hi. today? Thank you for having me. All right, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background as it relates to the metaverse and anything 3D? Uh, yeah, my background, long career in sort of internet infrastructure, but the last um, few years, I, apart from my, my new company, Living Cities, was working in augmented reality for over a decade and had started a company called 6D.ai before this that Niantic acquired, who make Pokemon Go. And the thinking around 6D, that was a computer vision company, but it was really based on this um, insight that we needed to, devices needed to understand the world in 3D for content to be able to be you know, experienced in the world. And so that, that necessity of a 3D understanding of the world sort of led us to the, the belief that a 3D map of the world was going to be needed for all this content. And we, we turned out to be reasonably correct in that. And um, now pretty much every major AR platform is, is sort of heading towards building these, these 3D maps of the world. Totally. Yeah, very, very impressive what you already have built in the past. And we will dive a little bit deeper on what you're doing at the moment. Uh, but, you know, let me start with a very simple but also complex question. Uh, what is the metaverse for you and where do you see the potential? Uh, I mean, the, on the honest answer is it's a useful marketing term to um, position, position your company. Um, I think the, you know, the more like, practical definition is it's it's kind of a, a mixture of a 3D space that we you know inhabit and interact with with a range of different devices you know whether it's VR AR phones computers whatever with a big sprinkling of kind of crypto and Web three and this whole like open um, you know open architecture for you know ownership and commerce and and transactions so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a you know melting pot of a whole bunch of stuff has been thrown in and a lot of people just it means kind of whatever you want it to mean um but you know we're interested in kind of a very specific niche of of that you know that soup um and yeah that's so it's for us it's just it's just useful to say we're a metaverse company we're like all these other companies that are doing this hot new thing and um we you know we try to define what we're doing based on our own terms and based on what what the benefit to the users are Nice. And so you have been working on the AR cloud, the mirror world, the real world metaverse, whatever you want to call it, uh, for a very long time. And definitely one of the pioneers here. For example, like you said, you founded 60AI, which was then acquired by Nagantic and is now integrated into the Lightship platform for the visual positioning system, the VPS. So a very key component. And like you were saying, a lot of all big tech players and all, a lot of startups are working on the same stuff. And, you know, very trying to crack this very precise positioning and so on. Uh, by the way, we have actually been talking with uh, Tori Smith from Niantic in yeah. season one, episode nine. If you anyone wants to recap this, we talked actually about the Lightship um, SDK. Anyhow, let's talk about your new company, which is called Living Cities. And uh, you can find it at livingcities.xyz. And I guess the URL ending on XYZ is already giving us a little hint what this is yeah. going all about. But tell us a little bit uh, about it and uh, also maybe 
can folks get already get involved somehow? Uh, yeah, it's it, so Living Cities is really, you know, for me, it, it's a continuation of exploring the ideas that we explored at, at 6D. Um, we really thought, we saw like all these big companies are building these new platforms to support, you know, AR mostly, and um, no one really knows what to do with them. And it's also really difficult to um, create content for, you know, for the real world. And we thought, look, what happens when these maps exist? You know, what do you use them for? And one of the real, um, I guess, insights that, that one of my co-founders brought up, um, a guy called John Gadda. Um, John's a you know, really sort of famous uh, visual effects you know, expert and had worked a lot on, you know, AR and VR products for, for a long time. But he, he pointed out that um, world building, this idea of how do you, you know, make a believable world that people want to inhabit, um, whether that's in a, a film or a, a novel, a video game, like just, just the, con- the idea of world building is really, really hard. And, and most creative endeavors kind of fail at that. It's kind of once a decade, you know, something new will come up. And, but he said, look, if you can do, if you can capture the real world in its, you know, not just the way it looks, but the way it feels, the way it behaves, you know, the, all the different senses, as much as you can get in, you kind of get the world building for free. And so what we were really excited by is the potential when you look at a lot of pretty much all metaverse products that are out there today um, from whichever company, they don't do a good job of world building, if, if any job at all. And so you get these places that, virtual places that feel kind of sterile, they're kind of empty. You don't, you wouldn't want to hang out there, you know, for, for much reason where um, we think if we can capture the real world and bring that online as a, you know, a, a mirror of that or a, re- a reflection of the real world, um, you know, our, our thesis is that you'll end up with a virtual space that is going to be fun and interesting to inhabit because these places are just fun and interesting places in the real world. And so that's, you know, that's kind of the core, I think, insight that this new company's, you know, based on. Um, in terms of getting involved, you know, we're still pre-product. We still haven't really announced anything about our product at all, although that'll be starting in, in coming months. Um, best place to kind of drop in and get ready is on our Discord server. Um, we're starting to ramp up some activity on that in, again in the coming weeks. Uh, but that's where we'll start to share, you know, leaks, screenshots, previews, you know, of, of what we're doing in advance of an announcement. And um, we're also planning a, a sort of launch package, a launch bundle of, um, you know, access and, and features and a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to throw in for the first sort of people that want to, um, you know, want to, get, I guess, get citizenship in our, um, in our new online space. Nice. So in, in an essence, it's basically the digital twin of the physical world that you'll want to bring into the metaverse, kind of. Yeah, we, we try not to use the term digital twin you know, ah. for, for two reasons. Um, <laughs> the first is that that term is kind of well accepted. You're mostly in like enterprise, you know, architecture, engineering type use cases. And it, it usually just means, refers to a static model of, of something. You know, maybe it's got some little data points in there, but here's my factory floor or here's what this building is going to look like, you know, when we build it. Um, 
we are going like way beyond that. Um, we're actually trying to bring these virtual spaces, like you said, to, to feel alive. So that means a lot of real-time data feeds between you know the real place and the virtual copy. Um, but they're persistent. You'll be able to. There'll be people there who visit virtually. There'll be people who are physically present in the real place, and their avatar will show up and be present in the virtual place. We'll get everything like the weather, the lighting, the, you know, the time of day, you know, as much ambient data as we can pull in about that place to sort of bring it to life. So um, even in our kind of early prototypes now, it, it's definitely a different thing to a, to what people call a digital twin. Wow. Well, really excited. Looking looking forward to learn a little bit more. So got to join the Discord there. Um, I just attended a meeting of the MetaWars Standards Forum, which I think Living Cities is also a member of. At least I saw the logo on the on the members list. We are. Um, and I have to say, I really appreciate this initiative, which is trying to establish standards for various aspects of the MetaWars, including like the, the real and the virtual world interoperability. And I think especially the aspect of interoperability, it could be assets, could be a lot of other things, um, is an essential piece, right? I think the true interop between the various metaverse or multiverse platforms, which we are having at the moment, or yeah. which we will actually see in the next few years, I think, I think it's essential to have this interop between, right? And so what, what is your opinion on that? And how would you imagine an interop layer, especially for the real world metaverse, uh, the, the AR cloud, you, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, with the, the whole like, philosophy around open open platforms versus closed platforms, there's a, there's a tension there. And, and particularly in, like we are now in an emerging market where no one really knows, you know, what what's going to work. You know, no, definitely no one's won the market by any means. And so, the the benefit of being closed is that you can um, control everything. You've got no dependencies on on anyone else, and you can generally learn the fastest. You can iterate the fastest, and in theory, you know, you can figure out the solution to a customer's needs, you know, faster than you can trying to like herd the cats in an open, you know, open environment. Um, but obviously an open environment, you know, gives you an amazing um, ability to, to tap into lots of creativity from all different sorts of sources. Um, you know, you sort of get a sense that things that are too big for one company to kind of do it all at once um, can benefit from, you know, a consortium or even an informal like group who are trying to like make everything and somehow plug it all together. Um, so I feel like with, you know, the metaverse, there's a, a, it feels like one of those things that's too big for one company to work on. And so we are definitely wanting to um, sort of like, like be exposed to the serendipitous creativity that can come from like letting other people interact and mix up what you're doing. Um, how it works specifically for our product and our platform, we still are figuring out. Like it's simple things like, you know, avatars. Um, if you want to bring an avatar into a, you know, a, a, a replica or a reflection of the real place, should that avatar look vaguely like a human or should you allow a 30-foot tall robot to come in? You know, does that make things better or make things worse, you know? And... That sort of um, those sort of questions are the sorts of things where you know we're exploring. Um, we're certainly going to need you know open 
access to mapping platforms at some point. Like we're starting with one particular location, but if you want to go this whole world, we're not going to we're not going to replicate Google Maps or OpenStreetMaps or anything like that. So there's certainly going to need to be some um, openness between the interaction layers and the application layers and the you know the core geo mapping underneath. Um, and then, you know, you get into the whole economic openness of it and particularly where you've got the real world and there's, you know, there's a real world economy. People are buying coffee and doing whatever they do, you know, giving money to a busker. And um, when you start overlaying virtual activities on top of that and you want to use like a, a virtual currency, mm-hmm. then you start to get into, um, well, how does that, how does that work? How do you, how do you go back and forth between euro or US dollars and some sort of, you know, virtual dollars. And there are areas where, you know, you want to be, you know, open to, to some extent. So that's just a kind of few like touch points that we're, we're kind of exploring. We definitely don't know what the answers are. I think anyone who does claim to know what the answers are, they're probably, they're probably either trying to sell you a scam or they just are some like, you know, religious zealot about their, their beliefs and, you know, we've found the more we dig into these problems, the more subtleties there are to them all. And, and how do you get it right is, is going to take a, a fair bit of experimentation. Yeah, and, and I like what you said, like, be careful. A lot, a lot of people are trying to sell a lot of things at the moment. Yeah. In, in the field. Yes. <laughs> like, this is definitely the case. So, and yeah, um, yeah well, I, I'm not going to, to put names, but definitely um, be careful, especially when you're looking into are things that are related to crypto and, and, and stuff like this. Um, I mean, there's good, substantial, great stuff, right? Not, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but there's also way much over speculative um, yes. things ongoing. Right. And it will burst at some point. So be a little bit careful. Um, yeah. And invest into the good stuff and look into the good stuff. And, um, you know, Matt, the stuff you has all been doing, you have a great track record. So look into this, folks. Yeah. I, my favorite quote on all that is like, like ninety eight percent of of the crypto stuff is is a, either a, a worthless or a, or a scam, and two percent is going to change the world, but no one knows which two percent that is at the moment. So we're, you know, I, we're being reasonably conservative uh, in in how we're approaching it. Yeah, that's that's perfectly put. I fully I fully yeah. assigned that. Okay, um, let's let's um, go a little bit different question. I know you're an avid cyclist. Um, I'm too, just like myself, a little bit. Um, and since AR became mainstream, I, I know you have been working in AR since many years. I've also been starting actually with the AR toolkit. I don't know, like when was it? Like 20, yeah. 15 years or whatever it is. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, since it became mainstream, let's say the last five years or so, five to 10 years, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about AR-enabled heads-up displays for cycling and why you would have, like, navigation, for example. Or think about, like, if you're on, on one of these platforms like Strava, right, you have a, a, your own record or the Strava, King of the Mountain or whatever, yeah, the, the person holds a record. You could race against them. You see them as an AR ghost in front of you. You could do some really cool stuff, I think. Um, and I know there have been some efforts but most are really not suitable for the fast movement you have because you need to localize precisely, right? You need to process a lot of a lot of data, a lot of computer vision stuff. Um, first of all, would you like something like that actually for bike rides or, or not at all? And, and second, what do you think, how long it will take actually until we'll have like fast enough computer vision processing that can run these, you know, VPS, like visual positionings quickly enough and the right AR form factor, I guess, is really delimiting, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Um... And yeah, you're right. I've been cycling a long time, so I, I, um, 
uh, you know, I've definitely thought of this idea and wondered, you know, what would it take for me to, what would I want it, you know? And um, I think everyone's going to be a little bit different. Like for me personally, I like, I, I wish I had the ability in a, you know, a pair of glasses that actually were sports type glasses, not not this type of thing that's a bit more wraparound, it gives you a bit better, better protection. I'd love to have a camera that I could just take shots. The number of times I've been on a ride and would have loved to take a photo of something that zips past and I'm like, oh, you, know, you can't reach back for your phone or stopping all that stuff. Um, in terms of having a display that, you know, puts content in front of my view, yeah. I'm a little bit dubious of that. Um, I don't want to be distracted. Like I'd hate to be, you know, bombing down some, you know, some descent and, you know, the little ghost is sort of positioned on top of a pothole that I, you know, just happened to be lined up and I, I hit the pothole without, without really seeing it like that sort of thing. Um, I'm, I'm sort of really in favor of very minimal um, displays. And, and then I kind of weighed up with like, gee, I just like the fact that I'm out of touch, you know, when I'm on my bike, like I, I, I never wear headphones. I generally have my phone sort of hard to get at and you're just riding along and, and no one can contact me or I can't, contact anyone so there's a really you know it, it's sort of that's a good um i don't know like a like an illustration i think of a lot of the design challenges with you know headsets in in day-to-day -day use and that we're we're probably going to want a lot less content in our display than we imagined and um i have no idea like that's you know ux designers who are far smarter than me hopefully can figure that stuff out but I would definitely love to have, um, you know, glasses that have the, the potential to show some of that stuff. Yeah. And, and even if it's like just little like overlays or something like this, I could be, could be useful potentially. But um, I'm actually the same. Like, you know, initially I thought about, yeah, oh, that would be so cool. But then you think about, it, ah, not really, actually. And then also that the second um, point you made is really uh, i'm the same right like especially when i do mountain biking or so you're so focused like when you're going like a tricky trail or whatever yeah. it's like you or and then you come back from it and then whoop, you get all these ideas right and this is yeah. this is how it works and you gotta distract you gotta disconnect yourself sometimes and cycling is just perfect so folks go cycling <laughs> yeah yes definitely and and the yeah and, and the glasses it's just such a um it's just a fascinating problem that I think we're going to sort of still have a lot to figure out how we how we want to use them. I think so. Well, that was fantastic, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Very much appreciated. Well, thank you. It was a fun chat. All right. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for yet another episode of Meta Minutes, your bite-sized pieces of the Metaverse. Uh, watch our blog, follow our social media channels, and subscribe to our YouTube to hear all about the next episodes and of course, you can watch all the previous episodes there as well. Take care and see you soon in the Metaverse. Bye-bye.